welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to another Spirit Connection podcast. God is on the move all over the earth, and this is not a time to back down. It's not a time to get all panicked and worried. This is not a time to lose hope. In fact, we are going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about releasing God's power, releasing his fire, and taking the gag order off the Holy Spirit. I have a special guest who just told me this while we were <laughs> praying ahead of time. He's a good friend of mine, Sean Smith. Now, he's from Point Blank International Ministries, uh, also Sean Smith Ministries. He's an equipper. He's a revivalist. He breaks things open everywhere he goes. He's also been speaking in universities, outreaches, overseas, conferences, Bible schools, you name it. He's been doing it. He's a fire starter, and he's on the show with us today. Welcome, Sean. Hey, Doug. How you doing, man? Oh, Thanks doing for having us. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on, friend? Man, you know, I'd say we've been traveling around, and, and like you graciously said in the intro, you know, we've been hitting universities. We've been going overseas, uh, conferences, churches all around, but Hey, man, I, I come to give the, a great report, and one of the great reports is I, I feel like there's a, a groundswell of hunger amongst the people of God in the pew, in the churches, that I really feel is forcing leaders and ministers, and uh, we're all called to be leaders and ministers, but those who are directing ministries and churches and pastors and apostles, uh, if you will, it's forcing us to step up our game. I feel like, you, you know, there, there was a moment there that I felt like we were settling for the shallow waters of Christianity, and Jesus died for us to experience so much more. And I feel like there's a hunger that says, hey, man, I don't want to settle for surface waters. You, you know, it's like they're deep wells that Jesus got up off out of the tomb to make available. So I feel like there's a hunger for that. So that's one of the main things that I sense. So you're seeing that right now as you're traveling around? Yes, we really are. We're seeing, first of all, more people respond to salvation and they give their life to Christ. It's almost as if you could get up there and just say the name of Jesus and say, come, uh, give your life to Christ. And there are people that would come. I, I feel like people are desperate. But I think not only are they sensing it on the uh, that outer court crowd, but I think the inner court, the people of God are hungry. They're lingering. They're coming to the altars it used to be kind of at, at 12 noon, depending on what time the church started. People are popping up and leaving the church. But more and more, you're seeing people stay. And sometimes I'll say, hey, man, you know, we're, we're probably going to go over a little bit here. And people are like, go, go. You know? <laughs> well, so so the spiritual atmosphere is changing. Now, I've, I've had a sense of this. I haven't been out there speaking at churches like I used to and like you do. But this must be a spiritual atmosphere change. Hey, that's a great way of saying it. It's a shift. And I feel like we've been prophesying a shift. We've been praying for a shift. We've been decreeing a shift. And I feel like God, it's on his agenda. There is a shift taking place. I love what you said earlier when we were talking, that there's a countdown. You can hear the T minus seven, T minus six, T minus five, T minus four. And one of the things that I think some people can get a little, 
at times disillusioned because they look at the modern church, particularly church in North America, and they could go, hey, man, she's not where she needs to be. And hey, man, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But our, our eyes aren't on the church itself. Our eyes are on the, the chief cornerstone. And the Bible lets us know that, that God is a good shepherd. And he's not just good because his heart is good. It's like, duh, that's a given. Uh, a shepherd is graded as being good because a shepherd can get the sheep from point A to point Z in a timely manner and in the way that they need to make it. If, if the shepherd can't lead the sheep where they need to be, then that's not a good shepherd. So our confidence is in our, our Lord. He is the one who's going to get the church. And I, I, I believe that you have to believe that God is as good a finisher as he is an initiator. And if he began this thing in the book of Acts in power and glory, uh, we're not going out at anything less than that. You know, at Disneyland down in Southern California, where you reside, at the end of the night, they send up all the fireworks or a lot of the fireworks. And then when it's at the end of the end of the fireworks, it's nonstop. It's crazy. I mean, you almost want to pull over on the side of the freeway, even if you're not at Disneyland to watch it. And I feel like uh, we're seeing some fireworks go off, but it's only going to escalate. We're going to see more of the fireworks of the kingdom go off in this day and age we live in. And uh, I love to say, if there was ever a time for the 21st century church to pick up where the first century church left off, it's now. Wow. Yeah, you know, I love the metaphor. It, it's time for fireworks. Yes. <laughs> the work of the Holy Spirit coming in fire. Man, it's great. You know, it's interesting because the Chinese, if, I, if I'm getting this correct, they invented fireworks and they initially used it for two things. It's very interesting. They used it for war, you know, in battles. And they believed that there was an element of it that would ward off evil spirits. Now, again, we're not trying to say we espouse the belief system of that per se, but I think we can draw a correlation and go, I think the fireworks of the spirit are for warfare and to drive back the powers and principalities, you know, the modern day pharaohs that have sat over cities that are not letting the purpose and the people of God go. And I feel like God is, is raising up that let my people go thing. And there's going to be fireworks just like Moses was given a rod to release those fireworks. I believe there's an end-time authority and mantle for us to do the same. I tell you, there's something that's happening right now, and uh, I just have released some prophetic words, you know, that even over the next couple months, we're going to see some things. Tell us a little bit more about what you're seeing out there. You know, I, I, I would say one of the things that I'm seeing the level of revelatory release rise. We're truly in Doug and Joel, too about dreams and visions, and, and I felt like increasing that. But I feel like uh, there's so much more available uh, for people of God and not just the people that, you know, have on their business card or whatever their, their you know, five-fold ministry office. But I mean, for us rank-and-file believers, I feel like there's an increase of revelatory. I feel like God wants to give us more accurate and sure words of knowledge, gift of prophecy coming in the marketplace as you operate in and and uh, not just something happens at an altar. I feel like God is saying, hey, you take the altar with you wherever you go. And so I feel like uh, people are feeling uh, a new wind of the spirit in their sail. At the same time, I feel like there's a new wind of resistance. But uh, at the end of the day, the Lord, we, we, the, uh, if we walk with the Lord and we do what God calls us to do, we will make the resistance work for us. It would just cause us to go higher, you know, just like an eagle rises higher against those kind of winds. It helps it soar. So I, I really feel like there's an increase in terms of the demonstration of God's power and glory. There's a glory dimension now that's being added. And so we're seeing that glory. We're seeing uh, healings. 
uh, more accurate words of knowledge and the prophetic and uh, just people just weep, you know, just come back. I, I, I've always believed that the altar call must make a comeback. And, I, and we're seeing that we're seeing more people come and just get at the altar. And I, I'm like, hey, if the Holy Spirit isn't there, hey, let's leave and go get our salad. But if he <laughs> is, if he is, put everything on hold. We, we've got to make sure we have this element called encounter, because that's what uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, he's opening the encounter realm over North America. We, we've watched him do it over tribes in Africa where they have an encounter, they dream of Jesus and everybody gets up saved. It's, it's taking place from, uh, I was in Israel earlier this year, it's taking place in the Middle East. I got a chance to meet with spiritual as, as well as governmental leaders over in Israel. There is a, an encounter realm that's over that region, obviously underground church of China and Latin America. But I think the English speaking nations, in particular, you know, North America, Europe, Australia, we've lacked. But the Lord says, I'm opening the encounter realm. And when God opens that realm and you have one encounter, uh, it doesn't matter how steep your atheism is. All bets are off. You, you can <laughs> one day, you know, be critical. And, and in fact, uh, uh, you know, a, a person that is adversarial, and the next moment you could be the greatest mouthpiece of awakening the kingdom has ever seen, i.e. Apostle Paul. So that's what happens when the encounter realm is open, and we're seeing that. Yeah. Boy, the, God becomes real. He gets your address, you know, whether it's the prophetic, whether it's a healing, it's just demonstration of his power. Yes. Yeah. And man, I tell you, your words, Doug, that you've been releasing are so right on, man. I've followed them a, my, my son and I uh, got an adopted son. They love it. They go, I've heard, I've heard them talk and they're millennials and they go, man, Doug Addison, man, his word for the day, it's right where I'm at. So I love the <laughs> fact that you're getting before the Lord and you're releasing right on words, man. And I, I think you're, you're a prototype that you're saying, Hey man, God wants to speak to all of us that way. And uh, man, I appreciate you and your gift and your heart. Oh, thanks so much. You know, we, we go, we go way back. I remember you what you're describing right now is exactly what happened in 2001 at the first Sean Smith. Uh, I think I went to a, a church. I was discouraged. I had just, you know, anyway, you just lifted me up. You gave me a prophetic word, and it turned everything around. We launched the ministry we have now. Oh, my word. Man, God is so good, man. That is that is so awesome, bro. So awesome, man. I've been so blessed by you and your ministry, bro, and our friendship, too. Yeah. So what's the Lord saying to you right now? You know, what the Lord is saying to me right now is probably the best way I can say it is describe this dream I had. And I had this dream. And in this dream, uh, I was at a, a Northern California amusement park, which is called Great America. It's now six, like Six Flags, but initially it was like Marriott's Great America or Paramount. And it's our version of Disneyland up in NorCal. And I, I grew up going to this amusement park. So in this dream, I'm walking the amusement park. Make a long story short, it's in disarray. The rides are broke down, as the kids would say. It was janky. <laughs> there was litter. <laughs> uh, there was weeds. And it wasn't, uh, it, it was a very sparse crowd. And I remember being burdened in this dream, like, my God, I, I want kids coming up to know the greater America I knew. This is, this is terrible. And so the scene breaks in my dream, and I'm, I'm in these white chairs in front of an eatery in greater America. I know exactly where it's at. And I'm in front of a contingency and the guy in front of me who was the head kind of spokesperson for the contingency is a faceless man. And in dreams, when the faceless man comes, I know it's, it's Holy Spirit. And uh, so I'm sharing with him. And, and I knew in the dream that these were the initial investors that got Great America up and going. They made the investment 
so this amusement park could actually open. So I'm, I'm appealing to them as a person that doesn't have the finances to do it, but I know they do. I said, I'm appealing to them to make another investment to make America great again. And I know that sounds right now probably like a, a, a political uh, model or something like that. But I think from a spiritual aspect, uh, uh, that's the only place that America really could be made great again. And, and I feel like we need to be responsible in voting and politics and all that. So there's definitely no dig towards that, but just understanding that the real seat of government in America is the prayer room. It's the intercession. It's Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. So I share this, and so the faceless man, I'm back to the dream now, turns to his contingency, and they they discuss. And uh, I had received a download of a strategy to make America great again. So I shared it with them. So they said, okay. Uh, we were the ones that initially made the investment in Great America to make it great. We will make another investment to make America great again. And I remember feeling so excited. I mean, I'm at a point of tears. So the scene breaks in my dream. And now I'm walking around Great America. It is pristine. It's beautiful. New rides have opened. Crowds are everywhere. Little kids are walking around with the little turkey drumsticks. You know, it's like, my God, this is it. And then I wake up from the dream and and... The Holy Spirit came and spoke to me, but I, I knew the interpretation, but he spoke to me and he said, uh, just as God had visited this nation with the first great awakening that made America great, it actually was how America became America. And then the second great awakening came at also a very pivotal time. And then, of course, uh, many, many movements, including the Azusa Street Revival, uh, Holy Spirit says, I will invest in this nation spiritually again. There will be another outpouring uh, of the spirit. And it so encouraged me, Doug, because, you know, you, you, you and I, we're looking at the news. We're looking at stuff going on every day. It seems like there's division from literally how we view our president and the White House. There's division amongst races. There's a division amongst denominations. There's division amongst the nations. There's disarray. There's confusion. And you're just going, man, Lord, uh, I need to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's what the psalmist said. And, and in this dream, the Lord just assured me again, and he has many times, that God is going to pour out his spirit. He will have the final say. In fact, God is rolling up his sleeves behind the scenes because he is bent and intent on bringing in a harvest and causing a move of God that would cause the church to become equally yoked with her bride for the eternal uh, marriage supper of the lamb that we will attend and. So this dream really got me fired up and just really asking the Lord with a burning heart again, God, revive me that I could be part of this great revival you're sending. Wow. So the Lord said that we're going to start seeing a third great awakening. Is that right? That's right. And yep. it was great America, and it's not limited to the U.S., of course. No, no. But, you're right. Wow, that is so encouraging. So what's some practical tips then? How do we respond to something like this? I think one, I think there's been great concerts of prayer. There's been great worship. You know, we've got more houses of prayer, more 24-7 prayer, more prayer rallies. But I feel like it really needs to transcend to uh, us rank and file believers that we're keeping the fires of intercession burning in our own day-to-day life because the foot soldiers are going to be the ones that are going to bring in the harvest there's no doubt in my mind that prayer plays a big part, but being that there's the evangelist in me, you, you, you can't, in a sense, pray in the harvest 
just back in a, in a room where you're praying, some point someone has to go out and be willing to be the answer to the prayer. So Come I just on. feel like being, <laughs> being open to being that mouthpiece to witness to people because we're moving from the sickle to the combine. I feel like it's not just going to be one person here, one person there. I feel like there'll be a, uh, and, and it's going to be totally different, but just to reference history and moves of God, which I love. I believe there's going to be a new Jesus people movement. And I can see where millennials are being made ready. I feel like more and more, uh, a thing that I felt the Lord say to me, Doug, was that a question he, he asked me that I, I've just been chewing on and speaking when, when the opportunity is right, he, he uh, kind of prompts me. And the, and the question is, can Jesus call an audible in our midst? Can he change? Because I think so much uh, that w- what we've done is that we've moved away in some areas in the way we do church from being presence-driven to program-driven. And God can give us a program, and a program can yield a return, but we can't forget the one who is both the fuel and the engineer and the CEO of our services. And so I feel like the gag order must be taken off Holy Spirit. And uh, this sounds kind of strong, but I, I feel like it's a word for us that we don't need any more TED Talks in the pulpit. We need some Jesus walks. Come on. We need where the Holy Spirit comes and walks up and down every aisle and down the row and begins to touch people. He can do more, Doug, as you well know, he can do more in five minutes of the anointing and glory touching someone's life than five years of our programs. And and I feel like some people have just done it because uh, I don't know that there's been as many mentors and guys that are now coming into uh, their age of being senior pastors. There wasn't as much mentorship for some of these guys, my observation and gals, uh, in the area of uh, operating in the gifts and equipping in that area. And so they've kind of gotten church growth and church modeling from mentors that they may not have been their strength. Now, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, and I'm not an expert, and I'm admittedly an itinerant minister, and so I humbly submit this. But as I do travel, and I've got great friends that pastor, and so I I, I feel a little bit like an uh, auto mechanic that just says, hey, start your engine. They stick their head underneath your hood and they go, it's your fan belt or it's your spark plug. I feel like I've been in enough churches where I can begin to detect. And, and I'm feeling like uh, there's a new, I think, pull now towards becoming authentic, which I think that's on point because there's a generation crying out for authentic. But the other thing is, is going back to raw vintage Christianity and even a service that reflects it. And so even if man, you know, some of times you got multiple services, you got limited parking, you got limited space, you got to get people in and out, but uh, there's no substitute for waiting on Holy Spirit. And, and I just remember, I believe it's Acts 13, Apostle Paul, which he, in the beginning of the chapter is called Saul and Barnabas are waiting to be sent on their first missionary journey. And it says the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I've sent them, and then directed them where to go. And when they went at the end of the day, they end up at Paphos and they lead Sergius Paulus, who's like the Roman appointed governor to the Lord, while in a sense rebuking, you know, this guy named Bar-Jesus, Alimus, who was a, a demonized aide in the ear of this governor, so they rebuke the demonic in him and lead him to the Lord. And it all began when they were back in the room and the Holy Spirit told them to be set apart and told them where to go. And that's what I think. I think we need just those times before our services that, hey, if you have limited time, just get alone with them and let the Holy Spirit say, hey, today 
This is what I'm going to set apart, and this is the direction I want you to go. Because essentially, that's what Holy Spirit said. Set apart Barnabas and Saul. Here is the place I want them to go. And so I feel like the Lord is going to say, hey, I want, I'm going to set these things apart. This is the direction. And I believe we do that, we can get more wind in our whatever you know amount of service we have than if we uh, do otherwise and just go with the pre-program route and uh, our, our, it's not by power, not by my, by my spirit, God says. What we need today is we need the freshness that the Holy Spirit can bring. And I believe that pastors, leaders of congregations and groups will see more growth in just getting alone and allowing the Holy Spirit deviations, as I would call it. He deviates from our program or Jesus audibles. We'll see more in that. When Jesus walked into Nazareth, is the last thing I'll say about this. When Jesus walked into Nazareth, he says, hey, man, isn't, isn't your mother here with this? Your brothers and sisters, we know you. And he came. And what happens was they knew Jesus so well in Nazareth, they didn't know him at all. The Bible says he could do no mighty work there. As if to imply, he came to do one, but he couldn't. So I wonder if there's some Nazareth, modern day Nazareth, what would Nazareth look like today? Is that Jesus comes to do a work, but we know the routine. We know the three songs, announcement, offertory, this, uh, video announcements, this. Uh, but can he call it audible? Well, in the same chapter, he goes down the road. I believe this is uh, Luke. This might be Luke chapter five, Mark chapter six, something like that. But he goes down the road to Gennesaret and they didn't even have a synagogue. They, they, it was real raw there, but they recognize it. It says these three words, they recognized Jesus. They ran to him and they rounded up all those who were sick. And, and I think that's the difference of recognizing Jesus in our midst and that's him calling the audible. And then you run. There's an urgency to get where, what Jesus, what is the Holy Spirit breathing on? Let's, let's do that. Let's linger. Maybe you keep singing a song. Maybe you give an altar call. Maybe you stop and flow in the gifts. Maybe you call out an illness. And that could be, you know, the breakthrough. So I feel like those are some things uh, that I think we could do to begin to catch this wave that's coming. Wow, this is powerful. I, I have never really heard you know, lined up there. I know I'd studied that part about Jesus not being able to do miracles, but I didn't realize it was because of familiarity and what happened to the next town. How good is that? Yes. So important that we have to, it's almost a word. We have to move from the Nazareth response to the Gennesaret response. Yeah. And, get out of the comfort zone. Yep. Yeah. And even that thing of too, I think one of the things that has to come back to all of us, myself included, man, under church is the awe and reverence. We got to kind of get back. I think I, I, I love the teaching, man, that has caused us to become more intimate with Jesus and feel more comfortable in his presence where we're not cowering or we're not feeling inadequate and all of that. But I feel like also we have to almost have this rediscovery of the awe of who he is, because if we stand in awe of God, we're not going to stand in awe of man. You know, in Acts 4, you know, Peter and John, they had performed a, a miracle and a guy at the gate, beautiful, he's healed. He's standing in front, they're standing in front of Sanhedrin and then they threaten him. And then they, you know, Peter makes a statement, hey, I, I'm going to obey God. You, you you make decision whether you're going to obey man or God. As for us, we're going to obey God. And then it says, Sanhedrin severely threatened them again. And then the Bible says, and this is underrated, they went back to their companions and I just think, how important is it to stay in fellowship, to have a group of people that you run with, a tribe, covenant brothers and sisters? 
And it says they prayed and the place where they prayed was shaken. And then I saw a pattern. And this is exactly what I think is happening right now, Doug. This is powerful. When they stood for God, Sanhedrin shook them. And I think there's a political correctness and a, uh, a very aggressive, militant, anti-Christian spirit out there that wants to silence our witness, doesn't want us to mention that name, and doesn't want us to show up with the testimony in the marketplace. Sanhedrin, it's a religious spirit. It severely threatened them. But they immediately stood up and said, no, man, we're not going to stop. But the other thing is they go back amongst their friends and they prayed and God shook them. And then there, there, was, there was this sequence. You stand for God. You stand for righteousness. The world is going to shake you. And there's so many people that stop there. They remain shaken by the world and they become paralyzed. But when you're shaken by the world, you've got to go back before the Lord and get shaken by God. And God shakes those things that are meant to be shaken so that which is unshakable will remain. Come on. And so the whole purpose of getting shook by the world is to recognize places that we need to let God touch us in and, and mix things up and shift in us. And so they went from the world shaking them to God shaking them, and then they go back out and they shake the world. And so that, that is always the deal. And we can't stop. When the world shakes us, we got to get before the Lord and let him shake us. And that's where the awe and the reverence, where he's bigger than the threats. His promises are more true than what the devil can throw at you. And then they went back out and it says, uh, you know, the Lord stretched forth their hand. There was healings and miracles wherever they went. They went back out and shook the world. And so I feel like we're in that place where we're now, the world has shaken us. They've threatened the church in a, in, to a certain extent. And, and depending on where you're at and what nation you're at, it's more severe. But we got to get alone with the Lord and let him shake us. And if we let him shake us, We'll have what we need to go back out and shake our world. And, and that's where the term comes, I believe, world shakers. These men who have come here have turned the known world upside down. They became world shakers. Yeah, we need this, man. I tell you, what you're talking about here, this is the fresh wine. This is the good. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm almost trembling from the presence of the Lord coming right mm. now. There's a breaker anointing that's on you. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, we take it a little deeper. Yes. So I, I think this is interesting. You know, what often happens that we don't realize is the enemy comes to intimidate us in such a way that we forget that God has purposed all of it to give his people an opportunity to showcase what he's put inside of them. I, I think about when Paul was on Malta, right? He's going to this island uh, he had been two weeks shipwrecked uh, in, in a storm uh, without food. Roman appointed soldiers threatening on killing him. He shows up on an island. So he's had a bad day, you know, bad two weeks. <laughs> shows up on an island. The natives are making a fire, but he doesn't know. Are, are, are they having me over for lunch or are they having me <laughs> as lunch? You know? So he finds out they're not cannibals. He goes and gets some sticks and credit Paul with saying, I'm, I'm not going to let someone else in a sense, be responsible for my fire. I got to stoke my fire. And I, I feel like there's a word for all of us that, man, every church service, every time we can get alone with the Lord, every Holy Ghost podcast like this one, every time we have our devotional time, we're gathering sticks and stoking the fire. Because the bottom line is, as Paul understood, a fire that's not fed is a fire that will go out. We're all responsible for our fire. And so we got to be thinking, are we adding sticks to our fire? Well, as he's doing it, as, as is the case, whenever you press in for the fire, this viper jumps out, which obviously, you know, this snake, 
you know, obviously emblematic or a metaphor for the enemy, jumps out and bites him. And I think he could have just killed over right then. You know, like, man, this has been tough two weeks. Now this viper. In fact, all the natives were expecting to swell up and die. Uh, but I, I think sometimes the best blow you can throw against the devil is to walk through what he expected you to get stuck in. And we can always rehearse the tragedies, the crisis. You, 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 Doug, you've been through some battles. I've been through some battles. But by God's glory and grace, we didn't, we didn't live there. We didn't get stuck there. You, the best blow you could throw against the devil, strike a blow against the devil, is that you walk through what he intended you to get stuck in. Paul didn't get stuck in that moment because if he'd have ran around with a viper hanging from his hand screaming, I don't think we'd be talking about it. The <laughs> Bible says he shook it off. But I thought about it because you don't die from a viper bite. You, you die from the viper venom. So this is what hit me. He's there with the viper hanging off his hand because I don't think it was one shake. He had to shake multiple times. They have long fangs. So in that moment, the venom is inside of him speaking. You're going to die. No one ever comes back from this. You've had a tough time. I, I've been tightening my you know, grasp around you for the last two weeks. This is it for you. You're going to die. But there's one problem with that. The Lord showed up earlier to Paul and says, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to witness to me at Rome. So then it dawned on me. The venom was speaking to him, you're going to die. But Rome was speaking to him, you got to get here and give us a witness. So I'm going, God doesn't always turn down the volume of your venom as much as he turns up the decibel level of your destiny. Come on. His destiny was saying, and this is what I say to people, hey, the venom of what you recently went through, that can't take you out because you got to roam, you got to get to. There's a place beyond your pain. And the glorious thing was, I thought this was awesome, is when Paul shook the uh, serpent off, he goes down the road and prays for this dude, Publius' father, that has his, has uh, dysentery and a fever. And the Bible says he laid hands on Publius' father. And I thought, ah, it, it hit me. Why didn't the viper go for Paul's jugular? It was closer to the brain, closer to the heart. He would have died quicker. It bit his hand. And this is what I thought. And this is simple. If the devil attacks it, remember the viper bit his hand and later on he would lay hands. If the devil attacks it, it must be that God's going to use it. Amen. And that's why I just feel like people need to be encouraged that are going through stuff, that the area of your pain becomes the area of your power. The hand that gets bit is the hand that gets lit, that God wants to shift your hurt into a harvest. Because after he prayed for uh, Publius' dad, all these people came around the island and got saved. And you know the glorious thing? Now, this is what I, uh, I'll say. 276 people on the boat. Paul's in chains. Why would anyone on the island want to listen to Paul? Well, here's what I say. When the viper bit him, he made YouTube. When he shook it off, <laughs> when he shook it off, it went viral. <laughs> and that's it. People don't see our people don't see our God and they don't see eternity. But they could see that when we've gone through what they've been through or going through, and it doesn't take us out. We have this thing called resiliency, Holy Ghost bounce back ability. When we walk in that, it might be one of the greatest witnesses. They said Malta to this day. The body of water around Malta to this day is called the Bay of the St. Paul. And according to Google, which is pretty reliable research, uh, to this day, Malta is 98% believers, uh, Christians or Catholics, God-fearing people. Jesus Christ is preaching to school because a man was bit with, by a snake and shook it off. He left a legacy of a witness that goes on to this day. And so maybe our witness isn't that we have the biggest cars, the biggest houses, and the nicest watches. 
Maybe our greatest witness will be we shook off what was supposed to be the thing that would shake us down. We shook it off, you know, and I, I feel like some of the things that are happening to Christians now, I think it's just going to set up a greater witness that God is able to deliver his people. Yeah, this is so deep. Now, this man has eyes to see. This is some deep revelation here. And also, just all the shaking going on in this story. That God, If God is shaking you, then guess what? God is going to do something. He's going to use you to shake the world. There's such yeah. an anointing on on you, Sean. I just want you to pray over our listeners and activate yes. this and open it up. Yes. Absolutely, Doug. Lord, I just pray over all the listeners right now to this podcast. And I pray, number one, I just felt right at the end there that there were some that are going through some warfare, extreme warfare. I mean, arguably, we all go through warfare if we're standing for God. But, Lord, we thank you that, God, uh, when we're walking with you, our warfare, number one, has a purpose. And it, and it will not be for our downfall, but for our upgrade. So I just pray, God, right now for Holy Spirit encouragement. I pray, God, that you would break off disillusionment, break off discouragement, break off depression off your people. Some that it feels like they've been in that two-week level five typhoon that Paul was in. He didn't eat for two weeks. There was threats that he was going to be killed. All this stuff going on, but yet uh, he had to have his eye on Rome. He had to see that the decibel level of his destiny was louder than the volume of the venom. And so I pray that over people. And I also pray over those, I feel like, there's been an extra war in the secret place over people. So I pray for great grace in the secret place, that God it all would become still and there'd be ability to plug in. And, and I, I thought the Lord wooing us as a people. I feel like the Lord is wooing us and calling us, uh, not even to say, okay, I spent my hour with the Lord today, but almost like Brother Lawrence, we practice the presence of God. As Smith Wigglesworth said, I, I never pray longer than 15 minutes, but I never go 15 minutes without praying that, Lord, there would be this incessant uh, dialogue that goes on, even if it's inward with us and Holy Spirit while we're sitting at our office cubicle, at our university lab, or at our, our junior high or at home. And, Father, I also pray for this thing for revival. Uh, Lord, I pray that, God, uh, all uh, revivals need real estate in order to operate. And I pray that, God, you would ignite the left center cavity of our chest, that a new revival would come. And that, Lord, that we would become the mouthpiece. We would find someone Uh, Lord, that you've already singled out. I don't think we have to look very hard. I feel like, God, that we can just, Lord, lift up our eyes and find that there are harvests that's ripe and people that are ready. And uh, Lord, just give us boldness and that, God, as the world shakes us, we're going to go back for the Lord. He's going to shake us and we're going to go back out and shake our world. And so I pray for this mantle of the revivalists to fall on all our listeners and a new level of prophetic revelatory release signs and wonders, and that, God, that we would, as a 21st century church, would pick up where the first century church left off. And we thank you, God, in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. When you've been reading my mail, you know, <laughs> it's, it has been a tough time for a lot of people, but I love this. I, I think you're going to need to listen to this more than once. Get this into your spirit. Get this fire going. Take the gag order off the Holy Spirit. Get ready for the fresh wind. Get ready that Whatever can be shaken will be shaken so that the shaking can come out of this. And we're not talking mm. about just a shake and bake here. We're talking about turning it into a, you know, something that's going to go out to the world. I'm so, so excited. I'm real excited to have Sean Smith with us. Sean, tell us about how to get a hold of you and any resources you have. Absolutely. 
Hey, anybody, our website is uh, www.seansmithministries.com. So www.seansmithministries.com. I've written a book, several books, but one on prophetic evangelism and another which is on that theme and another is on, uh, is entitled, I'm Your Sign. It's about revival. And uh, we've got a lot of resource and merch that people can uh, go to our website and they can get it. Or if they want to keep up with us on Twitter, it's at Rev, R-E-V, Sean Smith, at Rev Sean Smith. And uh, that we're on Instagram as well. But uh, man, we sure love you, man. I'm so glad you have this podcast going out, man. And you're just a consistent, prophetic, encouraging voice. And I love it. And an evangelist at heart. We, yeah. we share that. Yeah, we do. We sure do. And I love it, the fact that you're an evangelist, you're an equipper, a revivalist all rolled up in one, and you just break things open everywhere you go. Such an encouragement. Man, and I'm telling you what, you, I really believe this, Doug, you you have a sevenfold reparation coming in that, man, this next season of release, man, that you, you literally, you're Paul after that two weeks, it's been longer for you, a viper jumped and grabbed you, but you shook that off. But at the end of the day, it got him a stage in front of the Roman appointed, you know, legislator of the entire island and the legacy left. And I really feel like, man, uh, the level of your attack is the level of your platform, man. And so that that is going to put you in rarefied air, my brother. So you get ready. I'm I'm really receiving that. And it, it's been a great time. And every time I run into you, or ran into you uh, prophetically at the airport, and every time I see you, that it's been always a divine moment. I know this is a divine moment for many people out there. So thanks a lot, Sean, for joining us. Amen, bro. So love, so love being able to be here, being on the on the podcast with you. This is awesome. And love you, my brother. And can't wait next time that we can see each other face to face and hang. Yeah, love you too. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. Check out all the resources for Sean. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com.